you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Katie Keith. She's from barn2.com, which has a bunch of really awesome WooCommerce plugins, as well as some table-related plugins, which we're going to get into and talk about what all that means. I want to get Katie on particularly uh, recently. I, I've known her for about a year, and it's, it's been great getting to know Barn2 and their business. But they have just come out with a, as of this recording, a document library plugin called Document Library Pro, which is really useful for people creating training-based membership sites and online courses. But before we get into it, Katie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to talk to you. Um, let's just for uh, quickly for the audience, how long you've been in WordPress and how did you what was your story getting into WordPress plugins? We started in 2010 as a WordPress web design company. Um, we started doing really tiny websites for small local businesses and then scaled up to sort of international companies that needed a WordPress specialist. Uh, but we always wanted to sell products rather than services. Um, I know that's a common story for a lot of WordPress companies. Um, in 2016, we finally found the time to launch our first plugin. Um, and um, that started selling within a couple of days which was amazing so that year we focused on launching more plugins and within about six months we were able to stop providing websites for new clients and switch um, more um, predominantly to selling the plugins and we haven't really looked back since what is the how did woocommerce enter the story did you have clients that were doing online stores or something or how did you become get all this expertise in woocommerce uh, kind of two directions. Our first plugin was WooCommerce because from the web design side of things, we knew that there was a big market there and we had some experience of it. So to find the idea for our first plugin, which was a really specific plugin, WooCommerce password protected categories. So that does a very specific task. We found that on the WooCommerce ideas forum where people publish feature requests. It's all public. And we kind of just went for the, the top idea that was not being planned to go into WooCommerce core that was realistic for us to achieve as a small company. Um, so we launched that and that got us down the WooCommerce route. But we also launched a generic table plugin, which is called Post Table Pro, and that lists any post type in a table and including WooCommerce products. So we advertised it generically to list all sorts of things. But loads of people said, I want more WooCommerce features. I want add to cart buttons. I want to be able to choose variations and things like that from within this table. And so it was very clear to us that we needed to launch a dedicated WooCommerce table plugin. So we still have Post Table Pro and other plugins, as we'll talk about later, have sort of shot off from that. Um, but that also got us into the WooCommerce direction because WooCommerce product table has always been our best selling plugin simply because it featured requests for a different plugin. I love that story. It's, it's really around community driven demand. Like you're not guessing. You're, exactly. you're, looking, you're looking at what people are trying to do and 
when I look at your products, uh, they it, it really shows that they're solving problems, like very specific problems, which you know people are asking for. Um, that's cool. How did how did you uh, how do you kind of coexist with WooCommerce? Like, think of yourselves as like a like an add on to extend further. Like, how do you manage what you're going to build versus what WooCommerce may build one day? Um, it's always a risk that something yeah. we do will get put into WooCommerce itself. It's become more of a risk because they opened up their marketplace to third-party developers a year or two ago. Um, we have an, kind of every plugin we've got, there's a very close copycat on the WooCommerce marketplace that from another company. Uh, there's nothing we can do about that. And they're often very similar to our own plugins. And yeah. they have that added authority because they're on WooCommerce.com. And we could put our plugins on and try to join them, but um, I haven't quite seen the business case for it yet because they take something like 70% commission if you don't do it exclusively. And so if we sold on our website and the WooCommerce marketplace, they take so much commission and there's all the extra work to maintain it. So I have had conversations with them about selling our plugins on there, but I haven't managed to justify it yet, but we might one day. Um, so all we can do is try to be the best, make our products the best, our marketing and so on. That's awesome. Uh, can you talk about how your, your business was impacted by COVID and the pandemic in terms of uh, just digital transformation of companies wanting to go digital, maybe with their store, do other things? How was, how was Barn 2's plugins affected by the pandemic? Well, we were very lucky because obviously a lot of businesses had a terrible time. Um, we were already working at home. We did rent an office, but we quickly gave up on that and we had home offices. So that wasn't a problem. Um, our team was already distributed around the world. So that was OK. Um, and market wise, um, our sales went up rapidly in March 2020 and continued to for the summer. Um, and it was Across the board, there was an increase, but there were specific use cases. Um, like I know that Lifter saw that there was a huge surge in people wanting to offer training and um, that sort of thing online because obviously everything had to suddenly be online. So any of our plugins that dealt with that sort of use case increased as well. Uh, E-commerce obviously increased. And our biggest growth was in restaurant because we had a plugin which um, lists um, foods in a table in a kind of one page order form, a bit like Just Eat or Uber Eats or something. And suddenly restaurants were forced to take orders online all over the world because they'd been made to close. But a lot of countries were still allowing them to offer takeaway food. So to do a kind of COVID secure way of selling online, they were using our plugin to take those orders on their website using WooCommerce plus our plugin. So there were quite a lot of growth areas and that was the biggest one. And we were very lucky. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. Um, what about if pretend I, I know nothing about WordPress or, and we're meeting on the street, what is the big deal with like tables, whether it's for products or some other kind of post table, like where, where, what are people trying to do? What are tables and what are people trying to do and why are they important in, when it comes to building a website? Um, well, in our context, uh, we're not talking about database tables behind the scenes. We're talking about presenting information in a table. So um, 
our first table plugin was actually from um, we built it for one of our web design clients in early 2010 and launched it as a kind of more fully featured plugin. Um, and it just turned out that people find it really helpful to display information in a table because it's more structured than the standard layouts you get with WordPress. So most WordPress themes, plugins, WordPress itself tends to list information in a grid. So you might have like a blog where there's three columns and maybe nine per page. And there won't be much information about each post. Then there'll be like the title and an image um, and not a lot else really, maybe a brief excerpt. But with a table, you can fit more information into a smaller space in a structured format. So you can choose which columns to have within the table with extra things like um, the author or the categories or the tags or um, whatever you want, even embedded media players and things like that, um, and buttons and links. And you can have a column in the table for each of those pieces of information. And also you can add other things like search boxes and filter drop downs. You can click on a column to sort it and um, you can have a lot more within the same amount of space. So there's less scrolling required for the user. So um, we've sort of as evolved into a company that has quite a few table plugins. So if you want to list product in an order form, well, that's a table. If you want to list a blog post in like an index, uh, that's a table. If you want to list resources within an LMS course, um, then the table layout works for that as well. So it's quite interesting how diverse such a kind of boring concept is. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of Google's mission to organize the world's information. And essentially a website is... And when you get more complex, like a store or a school, you're trying to organize information in a usable, intuitive way. So a lot of it is not just about data. It's about the structure of the data and how a user can interact with it. It's I can nerd out with you. I don't find tables boring. I think they're I think they're super exciting. Um, I want to come back to search in a second, but since we're here, um, tell us about the genesis of Document Library Pro. And, and why it kind of became its own product and what it is? Um, well, the biggest plugin after WooCommerce product table has always been Post Table Pro, which lists any type of WordPress content, basically any post type, which might be pages, posts, documents, events, anything really. So that creates a table listing those um, sort of information from WordPress. Um, so post tables always been interesting, um, particularly from like a marketing perspective, um, which is what I focus on, because it has so many use cases. So um, people use it to create an index of their blog posts, an audio library with embedded audio players, a video gallery, list of upcoming events. Uh, but its biggest use case was always document library. Um, and so I had this idea for several years and didn't act on it that really we should have a dedicated document library plugin. Because the problem with Post Table Pro is it displays information already stored in WordPress, but it doesn't allow you to create that information in the first place. So if you already have a post type or you want to display normal blog posts or something, then that's fine. But with documents, we were having to advise people to install a free plugin to create a custom post type. Um, like there's a really good one called Pods, which actually create custom fields and taxonomies and custom post types. So people would use Pods to create their 
back-end structure for their documents and upload the documents that way and so on. And then they'd use our Post Table Pro plugin to list the documents in a searchable table. And it didn't really feel right or user-friendly to be advising people to use multiple plugins, even though Pods is free. Uh, so the only premium plugin was Post Table Pro. It just wasn't right. And I felt it wouldn't be great for conversions and things, as well as making it harder for the user. So um, essentially, Document Library Pro, our dedicated plugin for that use case, looks a lot like Post Table Pro in the front end. But behind the scenes, it allows it's a proper document management solution. So you can upload uh, documents um, either manually one at a time or via a kind of bulk importer that we've built. You can add document links and choose things like how people will download the documents by, by clicking on a file um, type icon or something, none of which is in Post Table Pro. So it looks the same, but it's much more powerful for your documents. I love that. I remember in, I'm trying to remember what year it was. It would probably be around 2015. I made, or maybe 2016, I made a video about how to embed like a, a, a PDF inside of a lesson. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you kind of would just send this file up into the uh, WordPress media library, and then you need to create a button or grab a little icon of the, um, uh, the, the, like the PDF, you know, icon thing, and then turn it into a link. And then what, so, I mean, I've been asked forever, like, Hey, how do I, how do I deliver workbooks and digital files as part of a learning experience? And it's, when I saw your solution, I was like, that's what people want right there. I mean, you're, you're basically allowing people to build their own little Dropbox and, and even the, the, the files can be hosted in different places, right? Not necessarily on your yeah. website. So that's, yeah, we're aware that. that a lot of people do host their files uh, on third-party sites like that. So um, we've allowed you to upload documents to the media library um, or to just add the URL of where they're hosted. Um, in fact, what you just said about embedding a PDF sounds like our documentation for Post Table Pro because it doesn't have these built-in ways to add a button to a third-party URL. It just displays information. Right. So Document Library has all that built in, like um, it will automatically create a link column with a link to the document, which might be on your media library. It might be on Dropbox or wherever. It doesn't really matter. It could be a YouTube video even, but you click on the button in the table and it will take people to that URL or download the document. So it's a lot easier than, as you said, describing how to upload it and then add a button manually and link to it and so on. I get asked a lot about search and I'm not really a WordPress search expert, but like, how does what can you teach us about search? And search doesn't become a problem for courses or these files maybe until you, you start scaling and the, the volume of stuff and people trying to find what they're looking for easily, it starts becoming more and more important. What, tell us about search and WordPress, just any advice or tips and how it, how it works with Document Library Pro as well. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of our plugin users don't think about this and I'd like them to more. So by default, a document library pro will include a search box above the table. And you can also choose whether to add filter drop downs, which kind of do the same thing, because when you type a search, it just filters by that search term, doesn't it? So it really does the same thing. It's just that the filter drop down is giving the user ideas of what to search for, essentially. 
um, that they're kind of the same. But people might list like five or 10 things in a table and they still include the search box. And I wish they'd um, hide it because it's not <laughs> relevant then. Search right. is for um, interrogating large amounts of data. So let's say you have a course with multiple lessons and at the end of your course, you've included a quite a large resource library with maybe 50 documents and other resources that you're linking to um, to help for further reading or whatever and all the references from the course you might put them all in this resource library well that would require a search box and ideally you could also add filter drop down so that they could uh, narrow it down by topic or year or whatever you thought would help them to find what they want you could even tag your resources by listen so that even though it's all at the end of the course in a dedicated lesson, they could select the lesson that it relates to or something. So I think think about the relationship between the search box and the filters, whether you need them at all because of the number of resources and just what your users are likely to be using. That's cool. Can you tell us any more about just like how search works? Like if you just turn it on, like what is it? searching like the title like let's say it was um like what is it actually searching in wordpress um, well the wordpress search box that you can have in wordpress itself is fairly basic and it searches um i think it's just the title but there are plugins you can use with it like search wp or relevancy or something which um, they don't add their own search boxes they improve the logic of the search that comes in wordpress and that's for your site-wide search. If you use the search box that comes with Document Library Pro, which is just for your resources or documents, then that has kind of two options. Um, one is that it can search through the title and the content, um, which is quite handy because let's say you've got a bunch of text on the single document page or something, but not actually in the table because that would make it too long. So that would allow you to search for that behind the scenes. The other option is that it looks within all the columns of the table. So there's a few different kind of logic options there. And we're currently working with the developer of Search WP to develop an integration for Document Library Pro. So that you, if you install an add-on that he's working on with Document Library Pro and Search WP, then it will let you use the more advanced logic in his plugin uh, with the Document Library. Very cool, very cool. Let's uh, shift gears and talk a little bit about your journey as a course creator. What inspired you as a software company to start getting into making course type of content? Six months ago, probably that we were always looking for ways to support our customers better and um, also improve things like marketing funnels to get people um, to know our products before they buy them. And uh, we already have a YouTube channel and lots of tutorials and things, all of which are publicly available so that people can um, learn about these things before they make a purchase. Um, and we thought that for, for certain use cases, it would be useful for people to have a step-by-step -step course, an online course about how to do something, particularly where our plugin is only part of a solution. So let's say that you're a restaurant, you um, need to suddenly start selling online. You don't really know what you're doing, but you've been closed because of COVID or whatever, and you've got to um, take online orders. So our plugin helps with the displaying of the products um, on a WooCommerce website. 
but you might also want other things like the ability to send new orders to the printer in the kitchen or to receive a text message notification of new orders and there's other things that restaurants might want and so I thought instead of just talking about our plugins I could create a course that takes you step by step through the process of setting up a website for restaurants um, to use that use case also, even things like how to set up web hosting and WordPress, because you can't assume that everybody already has all those things in place. Uh, so I picked out, I think we've got three online courses now, all about a specific use case. So we've got the restaurant one, how to build a wholesale store, and also how to build a document library. And it's kind of bigger than what you'd get in one tutorial. That's super smart to... Uh to like fulfill the, you, you have your finger on the pulse of your customer and more specifically certain use cases. That's really interesting way you describe it in that to really get the job done and solve their problem, we're gonna need to kind of cover things even beyond our own product to get them the result that they want. And step-by-step -step training removes all the overwhelm of like, oh, now I gotta go find this tool and how do I do this? And they end up, you know, kind of, in an unorganized way, just like trying to piece together what they need, whereas you've kind of organized it for them. That's that's awesome. Tell us tell us about your experience with um, just getting comfortable and ready to, you know, make all this content. Like, there's a lot of people get hung up in the gear, or you know, the, or being on camera, or maybe you were already doing YouTube videos, so you already kind of had the some practice. But how did you, what did you need to do to become comfortable to start cranking these out, <laughs> these courses and all these individual lessons out? I'm not really interested in the gear, but it's really important these days. People spend thousands of dollars on their setup, their microphone and their lighting and things like that. And I'm just not interested. Um, I forced my husband um, to swap offices with me because we've got two home offices and we both run the company together just because the light is better in my new office uh, because I've got a window in front of me. So uh, I had all these lights and they were no good. Um, and then I just, you've got to find the right location. So you can get really into the lighting or you can just find the right spot. And then everybody does their backgrounds for like Zoom and things, don't they? And make sure it looks right. And it's interesting because <laughs> in the past, nobody ever really saw your office unless you work when you worked at home anyway. Um, and now you've got to think about all of those things. Will you be on camera? If so, you need a good enough camera. And um, if your voice is recorded, you need um, a good enough mic. But I'm by no means an expert. And I do hire someone to do my YouTube videos now. But I did the courses myself because I felt that that would benefit from more friendly approach, I suppose. I thought it needs to be clear, but maybe it doesn't have to be ultra professional uh, because it's about getting a relationship with your um, students, isn't it? Yeah, I, I love that that way of looking at it. Like there's this middle way between perfectionism and uh, paralysis <laughs> and, and everybody eventually fi hopefully finds the middle way. And uh, I think you're absolutely right. The there's a like video. It's it's no substitute for in person or whatever. But in terms of developing trust in a relationship, and people, you know, purchase software not just from a company, but like other human beings that are also going to be around as 
you know, as a relationship going forward between a company and somebody using the software. I think it is a smart use of time just to, you know, invest in at least creating some of the courses yourself. And and the very act of creating the course, um, it really gets you in tune with the use case, right? Mm -hmm. So Yeah, because I was creating a whole website from scratch. I wasn't yeah. just installing our plugin on my test site that already has tons of content on it. I was starting from scratch for the purposes of the course. So it is an interesting exercise. And then your student watches you do that and hopefully copies along. How did you, uh, there's kind of two personality types. Some people like to be like super organized and like structure, do the outline in advance. And then other people just like, they just start and they just start making the training or whatever. What was your approach to being ready to record and to actually like a lot kind of happens and then you go into the moment where like, all right, now I'm creating the actual content. How, what did you do to get organized um, or not? Or did you just go? <laughs> yeah. Middle way, really. So I, I put Google Docs together with just the course outline and some bullets of what I wanted to cover in each lesson. And then for some of them, for the action ones where I was actually setting up the website, I just had a kind of a little note next to my computer that you couldn't see with what I wanted to cover, um, but not a script. Whereas for other parts of it, like introductions and conclusions, then I wrote more of a script, which isn't ideal because you can always see you reading it on your screen, however good you are you can use software to make it move along as you're reading so it doesn't look like your eyes are moving but you can always tell but um I did choose to do that even though you could probably tell I'm reading um so it's about getting that balance whereas when you're installing a plugin and showing how to do something you can be a bit more natural I think and just talk through what you're doing and give a few tips along the way so tell me about your decision to use lifter lms why did you pick that um, I have used LearnDash on one of our web design client sites, uh, who we still look after, actually. Or it's just, I don't know, it's never quite did what we wanted um, and so on. So I thought, and obviously I know you, Chris, um, so I thought we'll try Lifter. Um, also, that has a free version, um, which not all of the WordPress LMSs do. So we installed that and had a play with it, um, and it did everything we wanted. In fact, I think I fed back to you that I think the free version has far too much in it. Business wise, <laughs> but, um, yeah. I felt we should have been made to pay. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. There's uh, a lot of free features, um, like the uh, certain types of certificates and all the little notifications and badges and tons of stuff in the free version, which I was surprised about. So that was good. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, well, how do you think about? like future courses or whatever, like you've made three, it started with one. Tell us to tell us about the decision or did you always know you were going to make multiple ones and do you have others kind of planned around different use cases or like what, how do you think about the future and your, your courses? Um, I think I've covered our main three use cases um, which are kind of industry based yeah. Um, and I haven't fully got my head around whether to do more um, feature-based courses, um, if that makes sense. Because um, for like a use case, like I need to build a restaurant, it's you can kind of anticipate the student's needs from start to finish in many ways. Uh, if they want to do something like uh, speed up shopping in their WooCommerce store, I could do a course for that. But 
I don't know if it it doesn't feel like it comes together so well as a use case. So um, I'm sort of just keeping an ear open, as I always do, for how people are using our plugins. And if any other major use cases come up, then it might be time to look at doing another course. That's cool. I was I was looking at a another software company that uses Lifter LMS, and they um, on their website they had like a, a they called it a learning center, and then inside of that there were like courses, documentation, blogs, and uh, how do you as a software company? So I'm I'm interested in this question. How do you think about the differences as a software company between a YouTube video, your documentation, courses? blog posts, I, I, we'll just leave it at those. How are those, how do you use those tools differently? Yeah, um, I think you're right. I have seen some software companies that bring it together very well because it's not about the platform from the user's perspective. The platform is just a vehicle to deliver information. So people come to your site wanting information, wanting to achieve a certain solution, I suppose. And they don't know if they want to go on your blog or your YouTube channel or your courses. And I'm not saying we've got this right yet. That's probably a future project. Um, I have seen people that bring it together into a resource center where it's centered around the topic rather than the vehicle. And um, I think that is a good thing to think about, uh, which we haven't got right yet. How do you think about YouTube like yourself? Like, is that one of the ways you could tell where the market demand was based on some of your YouTube views or virality, or how do you use YouTube as a software company? We're just starting to improve that. Um, it's so huge. Um, and we've always had a sort of, I suppose, a trickle of sales through YouTube, but we, until the last six months or so, we haven't really invested in doing regular videos. I would say at the moment, our YouTube strategy is kind of to echo our blog. Our blog isn't really a blog. It's a series of tutorials. So each blog post is an in-depth tutorial about how to do a particular task, usually with our plugins, but not always. Um, and we track which of those generate sales. And our YouTube strategy at the moment is to look at which blog posts are generating the most sales and to do an accompanying video which would be published on YouTube in its own right and also embedded within the post. So because people have different learning styles, of course, some like to read step-by-step -step instructions, others like to watch you doing it in a video and copy along. So uh, for our best content, we're trying to provide multiple um, mediums in that sense. I love that. Yeah, YouTube, I've learned that lesson as well, that when I make a tutorial piece of content versus just like talking head about ideas or whatever, the, um, the video will get like 10 times the views and engagement or whatever. So YouTube, especially in WordPress is a particularly powerful for tutorials. Mm. It's, it's people really want that. And they get, I mean, when I think back about it, I actually learned WordPress, started learning how to use it in 2008 by watching YouTube videos. So there's always been a relationship between YouTube and WordPress that's um, super interesting. Um, well, could you could you just uh, say those three main use cases again that are a perfect fit for Barn 2? We got restaurants. Who else do we got? Wholesale. Um, so that's building a, a kind of hidden store for your wholesale users. And the other one was document library. 
So, which is basically, which is quite a wide term, really, because we would include any sort of resource library, which might be audio, video, documents, whatever, really, but bringing together resources. Just for the listener who may be into e-commerce and WooCommerce, who but may be new to the concept of wholesaling, how is a wholesale site different from a retail site? Or can they both be on the same site? How, do, how does one think about the difference between wholesale and retail? Yeah, the key difference is pricing and um, user experience. Most WooCommerce wholesale price uh, plugins only look at the pricing side of things. So if you log in as a wholesale user, then you'll get a certain discount, um, which is just how shops work. You have the retail price and the wholesale price. Often you have multiple wholesale prices based on volume or something like that. Um, But a lot of wholesale plugins forget about the user experience, which is that a retail customer doesn't know what products they want to buy necessarily. They might want to spend time browsing large images, viewing separate pages for each product and so on. Whereas a wholesale buyer does know what they want. They're not buying it for themselves. They're buying it to resell. So what they want is a quick kind of one page order form, i.e. table, um, where they can choose quantities and variations, view data, factual stuff about the product, and very quickly add all the products they want to their carts all from that one page. So it's a completely different experience of selecting products for retail and wholesale. So um, our wholesale plugin brings those different elements together. And yes, you can run it alongside your retail site because it's when you log in as a wholesale user that you see the wholesale um, layouts and pricing and so on. And your normal public customers continue to see the standard layouts and pricing, um, which you would always have in WooCommerce. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's end it back on the document library. Uh, and I'll give you a few seconds to think through what I'm going to ask you, which is all the different types of documents people may consider for a learning site, whether that's a training-based membership site or a single online course. Um, one of the things that the way I like to teach people about building these types of sites is that it, it, it resonates with what you've been saying in this interview and in that you like to support your use case with and solve their problems. When somebody's trying to learn something, a course is just a vehicle as an example, or um, what they what they need is they need to be surrounded with support. So that might include some video content, some audio content, uh, but the opportunity to provide documents or digital downloadable files uh, to help support the learning process. What are some ideas to get people thinking of why they might benefit from coming up with a uh, like a, a recent document library strategy for their online course or training-based membership sites? Can you list off some ideas for people? Yeah, well, it's kind of, if you went to a training course in person in the olden days, uh, <laughs> yeah. then you would nearly always be given some sort of written information and handouts, wouldn't you? We're kind of replicating and improving on that experience for online learning. So you, because and of course you go to a course either in person or online, and that's a one-time thing. 
One of the beauties of online um, learning through an LMS is that you can access the course in future until whatever data it expires. So that's better than an in-person course where you have to use your memory, don't you, or it's gone forever. Um, but you're still not realistically going to be logging back in and going back through the lessons regularly. You want to be able to download uh, materials and save them somewhere that fits into your workflow. You might have um, some sort of... Um, resource uh, even links on your web in your computer or um, a folder of things you look up for useful information you might have a company um, sort of process document and you want to copy something into there or link to it so there's lots of reasons why you'd want to take what you've learned from an LMS course and bring it into your everyday workflow and to do that you need to be able to access links and download documents um, that might be videos or something that you've saved for future reference. It might be uh, PDFs that you'll refer to in future. So there's lots of different things. But the point is that you would refer to it later and incorporate it into your day to day work. And that way it's it makes it real because you, you can properly embed your learning into what you do in the future. You don't just forget it and move on. That's awesome. That's a, that's a good way to describe it. And I've, I've taken online course and content where I've literally gone to the print shop and printed out like the workbook. And then I use, I go old school, <laughs> like, and also the offline learning use case, maybe they're just, uh, it's an option for somebody who's getting on a plane or something without Wi-Fi to take a audio or video lesson with them offline. There's, that idea of portable content uh, that's not requiring an internet connection is super powerful. Um, one of the things that makes, uh, there's not that much com uh, competition in what's called portable content. There's music and there's audiobooks and there's podcasts and course creators can get in the mix. Whereas when you go to the internet, there's like a thousand things vying for your attention. So portable content is super powerful. Um, yeah. Well, I want to encourage everybody who is listening to go to barn2.com forward slash courses and take the free e-course, create an online document library that's on the barn2.com website. Any final words for the people, Katie? Um, not particularly. So yeah, I think if you're building an LMS course, then uh, think about how you might incorporate resources into that and um, have a look at Document Library Pro and um, whether that's a good way to list them. Either within each lesson, you might have a little mini table at the bottom or something um, with the documents and resources for that one lesson. Or you might have a resources lesson right at the end of your course, uh, which would have lots of resources on and um, a more sort of searchable format. So just think about what would work for you. Katie, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, it's amazing everything you're up to. Thanks for sharing your story. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.